0: Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author, Becca Eisenberg, brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities.
1: Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime. Today, I have a special episode with Phyllis Fagel. Phyllis has worked in both public and private schools with students in grades K through 12. She currently works full-time as a school counselor for the Sheridan School in Washington, D.C. and provides therapy to children, teens, and adults in private practice at the Chrysalis Group, Incorporated. Phyllis is the author of Middle School Matters and a journalist. She's a frequent contributor to the Washington Post, focusing on counseling, parenting, and education, writes the Career Confidential Weekly Advice column for PDK, International for Educators, and the Meaningful Middle column for AMLE, Association of Middle-Level Educators. She also has written for Psychology Today, Working Mother, Time, U.S. News and World Report, and Your Teen, and her ideas have been shared in the New York Times, The Atlantic, The New Yorker, The Boston Globe, and the Chicago Tribune, among many other outlets. Visit her website at phyllisfagel.com. And you can also follow her on Twitter at P. Fagel, at, at P. Thank you so much for being here today, Phyllis. I'm really, really excited to talk to you. I, I love your book. Um, and I think that it's just gives such wonderful information for, I think, both educators and parents. Thank you. It's good to be
0: here to talk to you too.
1: So I guess my first question for you is just, you know, telling me about, I, I've gone over your background, but just if you could talk about it a little bit more and the process in writing the book, Middle School Matters. Sure. So... When you work with
0: kids in the school setting and with teachers in the school setting, and you're also working outside as a private therapist, you start to hear the range of concerns that people have about kids in this age group. And I was starting to get the sense that there was not only a disconnect between what teachers thought kids need in this period and what parents think their kids need and this lack of a common language, there also was a general misunderstanding about the developmental phase and what's normal and what shouldn't be personalized and when parents shouldn't panic versus when they should get some extra. support for their children. And so I started looking for outside resources that I could use to give them some good information. And what I found is that there's very, there was very little research. There were very few materials. And because I had a background as a journalist, I decided to put together myself what I had been seeking as a professional.
1: And can you talk a little bit about your book? I mean, how it's for people who don't, you know, who don't have it. Um, I know, you know, anyone who listens to you is going to want to go out and purchase it. And also, just to also let you know, it's also available on Audible. Um, So for someone who doesn't want to, let's say you can't go out to a bookstore right now, um, given the situation or, you know, deliveries are also delayed, you could also download it on Audible as well, which um, is the way that I listen to Middle School Matters. But could you go a little bit more into um, just as far as the chapter and how the, the book is organized?
0: Yes, sure. So it's loosely organized around the idea that there are certain key skills that kids in this age group need not only to do well in middle school, but to do well in high school and in life in general. And I divided it into sections. So there's a section on the social stuff, gossip, bullying, shifting friendships, love, preparing kids for healthy relationships. And then there's a section on learning and that covers a range from helping a perfectionist kid to helping a kid who might have, or you suspect has learning challenges or you already know has learning challenges to helping kids maintain realistic expectations for themselves. And then there's a section on psychological resiliency which is especially important right now given all the change and flux in the world. And that has to do with the kinds of skills we that kids need in this age group and in a developmentally appropriate, making sure they have the coping skills they need to navigate both the social ups and downs and just general life ups and downs, whether it's academic or personal or family related. And then the last section is on empowerment and helping kids they feel prepared and develop the skills they need in a changing economy. So I really tried to cover everything that kids in this age group need, but doing that through the lens of, of their, of the phase itself.
1: And that kind of gets into my next question because, you know, you've written from a personal and professional experience. So I was just wondering how you combine that. Cause I think the way that you wrote the book, it just, it, it just works so well together. Because you were talking about, you know, just your professional experience and also you kind of added some personal things in there as well as a parent. So can you just talk about what that process was like, kind of combining those two so seamlessly? Thank you, first of all. Uh, well, I am a parent. I have three kids. Two have been through middle school
0: already, and are one is a high school senior, and one is a high school junior. And my youngest is eleven and just started middle school. And I think as a parent, and when you're wearing your parent cap and your mama bear cap, you always see issues in a different way than you see them professionally. And the combination of witnessing the middle school experience as a parent and witnessing the middle school experience as a professional gave me a unique lens into the phase that I think was helpful for writing the book. It's always a challenge because you don't want to violate your own kids' privacy or over disclose. And so I didn't include anything without their permission, but I tried to share some representative samples of things that I had experienced myself. And I even dug deep to go back to my own middle school experience to, to share stuff. Uh, And it wasn't always pretty to, to really bring the phase to life for, for the readers.
1: Yeah, and I think it really because you know what I when I look back at my middle school years, which was a really long time ago, um, <laughs> but you know, it was just a different time. And so what I love about your book is because, you know, we let's say parent our kids, we think, oh, well, when I was in middle school, it's like that was a completely different time. And so what I love about your book is that it really talks about the current times, you know, especially about social media and how to handle that. Because I think a lot, a lot of us parents, you know, we're parenting middle schoolers, we don't really know. What's the right thing? What's the wrong thing? How do I handle this? And everyone's kind of doing things at, you know, kind of based on, not saying uh, on God, but, oh, I think my child is ready for this. And then, you know, well, how? and that kind of also comes, you know, when you get your uh, middle school or phone, well, that also comes with a lot of great things, but also a lot of other things that you have to deal with. Um, So I loved how you talked about that as well, because I think it also helped me as a parent, because I thought, you know, and also I feel like some parents may feel like they're alone like, oh, is this is this normal? Is this not normal? But I think it's it's very comforting your book because it talks about lots of different situations. and then not only that, but you also give advice on how to handle certain things. So I, I think that's also really important.
0: Um, I'm glad to hear that. You know, I didn't have a special section on social media because really that comes up in every aspect of a kid's life right now, from studying to being kind to other people to FOMO and feeling left out. Really, it just permeates every aspect of their life. They really don't get a break, you know with the exception of a period of coronavirus, whenever all the schools are shut down, typically they're in school all day and they're having to navigate all of those social interactions, which can be quite exhausting. And then they go home and for many of them, it's more of the same, only it moves online. And I think that creates, um, as you said, a, a real generational divide. These are th- That's something that we as parents did not have to contend with at all. And we have to bolster our own empathy to put ourselves in their shoes and understand
1: what that feels like and what that looks like and how we
0: can support them with all of those challenges.
1: And I feel like that kind of leads to my next question because now that the kids aren't in school, a lot of, you know, mostly all schools are closed, um, at least where I'm at. um, So, you know, the social media is throughout the day because, you know, we're online all the time now since, you know, whether we're online learning um, but social media is also not just now after school, because that's why I wanted to have you on today is to kind of talk about this different situations, epidemic we're in. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to ask your advice about, you know, our middle schoolers who are anxious right now with what's going on, because, you know, we also have anxious parents as well. Right. So can you talk a little bit about that as far as advice for parents of middle schoolers? Yeah, sure.
0: Well, first of all, emotions are contagious. And so as parents, we need to make sure that we're addressing our own needs. You know, it's a cliche that parents are supposed to put their own oxygen mask on first in the airplane in the event of an emergency, but that's really true. And the reason for that is we can't really help our kids or support our kids if we're not at our peak ourselves. And nobody is at their peak. And I think we need to all cut ourselves some slack. And I think we're all going to have less patience and need to do a little bit more apologizing perhaps than usual. But one of the best ways we can use this period. And one of the upsides is that we're really going to be with our kids as they're experiencing all of this churn and change and destabilization and all of this stress. So it's an opportunity to really help them identify their emotions, to talk about the coping strategies that might help them, to validate that feelings are always okay and they're involuntary and they don't define who they are, they don't stick around at the same intensity forever and that they don't come out of thin air. They are the result of either a thought process or an event and they're not powerless. There's something they can do to manage them. And this is a good time to start really identifying what those strategies are and even writing them down. Sometimes I recommend that parents write down the strategies that work for their kids on popsicle sticks and keep them in a jar. And then when they're in a bad place or they could use some support, they can go to the jar and look at what's worked for them at other periods of time. But this is a time to really look at your kid, tell them what you're seeing, helping them develop that feelings vocabulary. You know, I can tell that you're feeling discouraged. Or I can tell that you're feeling loved. Only, or I can see that you're frustrated with the online learning. And I understand that, you know, we want to be validating for kids how they feel. They're not really going to be open to problem solving if we don't start by validating how they feel. And then from there, problem solve together. And with middle schoolers, you can't tell them what to do and you can't dictate how they should handle a difficult situation they really will shut down they want to feel respected they want to feel like the expert in their own lives. but this is a time when we can say let's let's talk about this. What do you think we should try? Let's do an experiment. Let's see what happens if you took a break right now and instead of trying to get the Wi-Fi to work better faster for you, why don't you go take a walk around the block and see if that helps or what would you like to do at this moment? I can see that this is really you know fraying all of your nerves and I can appreciate why that's happening.
1: Yeah, I think that's really good advice. It kind of brings me to the schedule that I had with both my kids um, because, you know, I create a schedule and then I guess they didn't like the schedule. <laughs> so what I did was I'm like, okay, I'm like, then both of you, you know, both of my kids create your own schedule and then we'll look at all the schedules and we'll kind of come up with, you know, a schedule that's kind of a combination of all of them. Um, And I think, you know, for me, at least with that one time, I felt like it was a good way to validate their feelings because, you know, they wanted to have a say in their own schedule. Um, But the funny thing is that their schedule was basically my schedule, but, you know, (laughs) but it was fun. But, you know, I think it was a way to kind of combine together and to validate, Okay, you do need a break. Um, This is other stuff that we need to do. You know, you need to be able to you know, this is the times we're going to eat, but we have to also exercise. Well, when are we going to go and exercise for a little bit? Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you with about, about the validation as well. I mean, one of the questions also I wanted to ask you too, just with, you know, we're talking about social media, we're also talking about the news being constantly on and, and let's say newspapers, um, Just look at my newspaper. Um, How much much of that do we want to expose to our middle schoolers? I, I think that's one thing that I struggle with as a parent, you know, is how much to tell them, how much to expose them.
0: So my 11-year-old has been glued to the television and I've really been encouraging him to take a step back because what happens with kids in this age group is that we understand that when we're seeing the same news story over and over again, it's not that it's happening repeatedly. You know, if there's a child who all of a sudden did get sick from this virus and previously we had been told that kids were not getting sick, but we see that on multiple channels, we understand it's the same child. And often what happens with uh, a 10-year-old or an 11, seven-year-old in particular, kids that are at the younger end of middle school, is that it starts to feel like it's happening repeatedly uh, and that it's not an isolated incident. So what we want to be doing is, to the extent possible, yes, we want to be limiting their experience exposure to the media because it can be stressful and upsetting. But we also want to recognize that no matter what we do, they are going to get exposed to it. They're going to have people texting them things or telling them things. And so we want to stay calm and non-reactive and open to questions from them. And one of the ways to do that is instead of just launching into the topic to ask things like, you know, what have you heard? Or what are you thinking about this issue? Or what Are you feeling like you need to take a break from the news? And this goes back to your comment about making the schedule with them, which I think is great. If you're in middle school, under ordinary, typical, Uh, circumstances you really want to have a sense of control over your environment you do not like being micromanaged and right now they have no control whatsoever and so to the extent that we can really give them some ownership especially over the minor decisions we are going to give them back that sense of control and mitigate their stress The, the recipe for stress is that it involves novelty uncertainty a threat to ego and sense of control it's the nuts recipe Novelty is that it hasn't happened before, which is clearly true in this situation. We haven't had a global pandemic that we've had to navigate before. Uncertainty is we don't know how it's going to turn out. And That's also very true. We don't know when they're going to return to school or if they're even going to return to school this year. We don't know when social distancing is going to stop. Uh, Threat to ego is about being embarrassed or failing. And in this situation, we have kids who don't know if they're going to manage online school well. And for kids particularly who have learning challenges or executive functioning challenges, to be asked to learn material online and to do it on their own schedule and to, somewhat self-teach themselves topics, that's very, very stressful. And there is the potential in their mind for a lot of failure or letting teachers down. So we have to do a lot of reassuring. And then the sense of control is that feeling of powerlessness, that there's nothing they can do. They cannot go and hang out with a friend as much as they would like to. So putting, put that all together, one of the greatest gifts we can give them is to allow them to have those micro moments of control that you were talking about with the schedule. So for my 11-year-old, he announced that he wanted to take advantage of this time to sleep in and then start his work. And I know it's not gonna take him the entire day to do his work anyway. And I had no problem with that. And it was not worth the battle. And it probably was paying some dividends in terms of him feeling a little bit more ownership of the situation.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. Cause I also think, you know, as parents, you feel like you have no control over the situation too. So when you're a parent, you're trying to take control when you really can't, you know, this this whole situation is just beyond our control, right? So I think it's a really good point about sleeping in because um, just sleeping in, or maybe it's them saying that they want to have lunch at one o'clock instead of 12 o'clock, or they want to take a walk the afternoon. Um, so just that kind of also brings me to another point. How do you explain social distancing to middle schoolers? Because I think, you know, that's kind of another thing. I know we say six feet apart, um, but do you have any advice for parents about that? Because I think it's, you know, let's say you're walking on the street or like everyone's taking walks or in the neighborhood now and you see somebody that, you know, you know, and, you know, you start talking or whatever, but keeping your distance. Do you have any like kind of advice for parents about that?
0: You know, I think for all of this, if you think about it, it's it's kind of absurd, not in the sense that we shouldn't be doing it. Of course, we should be doing it. But it's just such an unusual and absurd situation for all of us to be in. And I think the more we can use humor to underscore that and lighten the mood, the better off we'll be. So instead of yelling at your kid, you know, back up, back up, don't go so close to Samantha. You're four feet. You should be six feet. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know? yeah poking some fun at the situation or you know making a joke about it you know I don't think that's six feet guys you know arms length apart who has the longest arms you know stretch them out that kind of situation just just trying to find ways to add some levity because you're right we are as adults we're stressed too we're off our routines many of us are trying to work at home while kids run around and it's it's unsettling, and it's the, the one of the other gifts we can give our kids is to let them know that it's going to be okay. And the best way to model that it's going to be okay is to is to actually stay calm and stay cool and maintain your sense of humor at the time when you kind of might want to scream at times.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I think you know we talk about your kids being anxious. You also have to look at yourself, and you have to also look at you know if let's say you're feeling anxious as a parent, because I know parents are listening to this as a parent, if you're feeling anxious, it's okay for you to go and take a break, whether it's maybe walking around the block or going to exercise or going to do something else just to kind of calm yourself down so that you could be there for your kids. Yeah. Yeah, I think that some parents, I don't know, you know, we always feel like we have to be on all the time, but, you know, to me, it's, I had a moment yesterday where I was like, okay, I just need to go take a break for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and then I'll come back and I'll feel better. Um, and, so- and tell your kids when you do that, you know, this is an opportunity
0: to, to say to them, you know, I'm in a really bad mood today. This is really starting to get to me, but I know the feeling is going to pass and to make it pass a little bit faster, I'm going to distract myself and I think I'm going to go take a walk around the block. And then when you come back from that walk around the block, make a point of saying, you know, I feel so much better now that I took that break. because what you're really telling is telling them that it's okay to have difficult feelings and that you can manage those feelings and that it's important to take care of yourself emotionally.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. So that kind of leads to my my next question is about online learning. Um, because a lot of our kids are, you know, they began this week with online learning. Um, And how could parents best support their middle schoolers for online learning?
0: You know, I think we have to give our kids some grace and recognize that this is an unprecedented time. The way that I've been messaging it to my own kid is, you know, we're all learning this and how to do distance learning as we go. And this includes the teachers. And we're also figuring out whether the technology will work and whether we have to change platforms. And in the same way that you're probably just intuitively understanding that there might be some glitches along the way, your teachers also understand that there might be some glitches for you. And I, as your parent, understand that it may not always go perfectly for you. And that's okay. This is a This is a time to really experiment to figure out how you learn best. Do you need to supplement what your teacher is doing with Khan Academy, for example, or with a YouTube video, or do you need to set up a time to talk to them one on one? Uh, A lot of teachers are still keeping, you know, quote unquote office hours where you can dial in on Zoom. And for kids, especially kids who are not used to self advocating or who have a hard time going to a teacher for help in school, this is a chance to work on that skill to really help them set up a time to to video conference with their teacher and get the extra support they need. And also to work on those executive functioning skills. We can get make sure they have, uh, in the same way we do when they have homework, we can make sure they have an uncluttered place to work and they have all the supplies that they need and that they don't have too many distractions around them and that we've taken devices away that are unnecessary for the learning process. You know, they don't need a computer and a phone, for example, in front of them. This is a time to really solidify good habits and nip any bad habits. We don't want them toggling back and forth inefficiently between texting their friends and then listening to a tutorial online. We really want them to focus on their schoolwork while they're doing their schoolwork. And then you can work in breaks during the day when they're connecting with their friends. One of my kids' teachers gave him an assignment that every few days he has to connect face-to-face using video technology or on the phone with someone not in our household. And I thought that was a good reminder too that on top of the learning, we need to make sure that we're giving them opportunities to connect with others their social needs are so great at this age
1: yeah i agree with that because you know if we you know whether we're facetiming with someone or or talking on the phone with them we still have to maintain those friendships and that also makes us feel better as well like not just for the kids but also for parents as well just you know staying connected maybe that's not you know being right next to the person but if that's FaceTiming with them or if it's just being on the call or, or texting, um, you know, staying in touch. But then again, like you said, not getting it um, conflicted with your work as well. So the other thing I had a question too about um, is just that a lot of the online learning takes about an hour or two, right? And we have, you know, a much longer day, you know, we're going to put exercise in there. You know, I think a lot of, I don't know, to me, like a lot of parents or also with me, like I just kind of think about, well, what else? Okay, we could do, you know, they could do some reading. Um, But do you have any other suggestions for parents about the rest of the day, you know, kind of how to fill that rest of the day for, you know, for your middle schoolers?
0: Yeah, you know, I think this is a really good time to focus on helping kids give to others who feel even more isolated than they do for schoolers who are very social justice oriented to start with. They like to feel that they can make a difference in the world. This is a time where we could incorporate some time where they could write letters to patients who are in isolation wards, or where they could uh, make artwork for uh, adults and senior citizen homes who are not allowed to have visitors. So that's one possibility. I shared out on Twitter an article from Medium with a, a bunch of Podcasts that are appropriate for tweens. I think if we want to get them off the screen, but they don't feel like reading, listening to podcasts is a great thing to do. There have been links. The Smithsonian has put out virtual tours that kids can take of all the different museums, which I think could be fun. Some of the zoos are posting videos of what their animals are doing. I saw a great one where they let the penguins out to go look at all the other exhibits in the aquarium. Um, and then I have kids who are making TikTok videos and sharing them or watching other videos online. You know, we don't necessarily, we, we don't, we unfortunately can't create the ideal division of everything and the activities they're doing for school are not gonna take the full day. I had this conversation with my kid the other day where I'm like, well, you've done your work. It only took you two hours. What about PE? So he went on the treadmill and he ran a couple of miles on the treadmill and then he came up, you know, 15 minutes later and he's like, okay, I'm done with PE. And I'm like, well, what about recess? <laughs> so I think we're all in the same boat that we're trying to fill their time. And this is really a great time to not necessarily fill all of their time. One of the skills that they're going to need in life is to self-entertain. And one of the skills that they've been deprived because of all of the access to, you know, the whole online universe is the need sometimes to fill the rest of their time. Their normal days are so structured that they don't have a lot of free time to build forts or go, you know, play and and discover the things in the neighborhood they didn't know about. But I don't think we as parents need to need or want to micromanage every minute of their day.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's also a really, that's a good point. I like your suggestions. And maybe you could even send me a link and I could put that in the description for some of those resources. Yeah, sure. I I have heard that about the zoo. And I think that's kind of also something as a family that you could watch together, which would be cool. Because maybe there are some museums that maybe I've never been to that I would want to see a virtual tour. So I think there's a lot out there. So is there anything else that you want to talk about before we finish off? No, you know, I think the, the major takeaway maybe for everybody is that these are
0: extreme times and there's no such thing as a perfect parent in the first place. And there's no such thing as a perfect middle schooler. And I think we just all need to muddle through and do the best we can and take care of ourselves and take care of our kids and encourage our kids to take care of one another. You know, one of my fears during this time is that because kids are online so much more than usual and because they're more stressed, you know, I I think it's a good time to remind them to take care of one another and to be very thoughtful about what they post or what they share online. And to ensure that they don't hurt anyone's feelings, even inadvertently.
1: Yeah, I think that's great advice. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing all this wonderful information for people. You're welcome. So thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language Sharing Mealtime.